series, and it's been fun hearing from so many of you how you've appreciated the clarity of um, what is our church really about, what are we doing, how are we building this house, and it's good to take sort of these housekeeping series. They're ones where um, the, these series are really built for those who call Artisan Church home, but for some of you guys that have been visiting recently, I encouraged you early on in this series that, hey, even if you're new, this is a great opportunity for you to hear about our church, and it's an open door into it. Next week, we're going to give every one of you a packet that's going to kind of break down everything we've been sharing, kind of see the whole church within a packet, and I believe it's going to help it make so much sense. And here's why I really loved talking about the values of our house. One of the questions I get so often when uh, I might be at lunch with somebody or meet with somebody who wants to hear about the church, sometimes even other pastors or leaders, and it's a common question, they'll say, oh, so what's your, what's your vision for Artisan Church? Now, because I understand American church culture, because it's all I've been raised in and, and been in for so long, I, I understand what they, they're, they're trying to say. Often when people say vision, what they really mean to say is like, how big do you want to grow the church? Uh, how many buildings do you want to build? How many locations is there supposed to be? We always tend to equate vision, the word vision, with numbers, and we equate vision with like very, very tangible numbers and buildings and those types of things. But the reality is that for me has always sounded more like ambition than vision. And that sounds a little bit like, man, is that supposed to be the focus? Are we supposed to just get into a room with a few of us and just sort of like dream up a number and start throwing out that number and, and hope it sticks and hope it works? Or is vision supposed to be a little more collective? You see, when somebody just declares vision as a number, and, and that's all it is, how many of you know that sounds a lot more personal? It kind of sounds like personal ambition. But the church is supposed to be collective in their vision. So if you don't, as, as, as an attender, as a lay leader in our church, if you don't have a place within the vision, it's not vision. If there's nowhere for you to fit within it, and I'm a firm believer that vision is best described through values. So actually, as we've been going through these values, this is the vision of the house. Because the Proverbs tells us that man makes his plans, but it's God who directs his steps. So what happens is we sometimes, we make our plans, and we've got our dreams, and yes, are we going to grow? Absolutely. Are we going to expand? 100%. Because we are, why? Because we're an outreach church. And outreach churches grow. And we're going to talk more about, even today, hospitality. And churches who understand hospitality, they grow. When you value these things, the growth is just a byproduct. And see, but it's not the focus. It's not the emphasis. The emphasis is on health. The emphasis is on the values. So when you ask, what is the vision of Artisan, hopefully every single one of you, if you ever got asked that question, you would go to our values and say, oh, actually... Uh, our vision is not just about what we're going to do, it's how we're going to do it. And our focus is we want to steward everything that comes in so well. And so actually we want to be an outreach church. We're never going to be the church that's internal. We're never going to get so consumed with us that we lose sight of them. We're always going to be looking for the next person who needs a seat and needs a, needs a friend and needs a job and needs some help and needs benevolent. We're always, we're outreach focused. We're about advancing the cause of Christ. Oh, and we have a spirit of improvement. Everything God gives us, we're going to make better because his word 
word promises that if we're faithful with a little, he's going to trust us with more. So we're just going to be faithful with what we've got because he's the God of the increase. So I don't need to stress about the increase because he's in control of the increase. I'm supposed to stress about stewardship. So we're going to steward everything we've got. This is what we've got today. We're going to do our best with that. Oh, and actually, we've got a value of generosity at Artisan. We're just going to keep giving. People are going to give. We're going to get, and then we're going to give. We're going to give every opportunity we can because God is a generous God, and I'm trying to align with who Jesus is. And so I'm going to be generous on every single occasion because we believe that Christians should be synonymous with generosity. And so I'm going to be radical in my generosity. Oh, and actually, we are a community-focused church. Our vision is that every single person who walks through our doors doesn't just attend a service but actually finds a friend. We are going to do life together. We are going to spend time together. We're going to invest in relationship around tables. And there's a vision that every single person can belong here at Artisan Church. They've got a place here at Artisan Church. Oh, and then today we're going to cap off with the reality that we're going to have radical hospitality. That we are going to host so well. We are going to look for ways to do for others what we wish they would do for us on every single occasion. How many of you know just that little Two minutes, that sounded like some vision right there. Didn't you start to get a picture of a church in your mind? Did you start to get a picture of what that church might look like and be like? And how many of you know that is exactly the church that people are screaming for, begging that it would come into, because they encountered something different. And today I'm talking about hospitality because I believe this is one of the number one ways we can combat a lot of hurt. And the unfortunate reality is I love the fact that artisan church we are not just a church. We are a part of a global movement. We are a part of, uh, of so many churches that, that are connected together. How many of you know it's not just one church? It's the church. It's God. Jesus' bride is not just us. It's anyone who's professing the name of Jesus and, and, and evangelizing the lost and is on mission for him. So we're partnering in the, this, these values. These are our focus. But at the end of the day, there's been a lot of hurt done in the name of Jesus. That's just facts. You have to deal with the history of that and realize that not everybody, and Paul warns about it in almost every single letter. Hey, beware of false teachers. Beware of false teachers because they're going to slander the name of Jesus. They're going to hurt people in his name, and they're going to make it difficult to reach them. And the community that we're trying to reach in Blaine, in the Minneapolis area, in America, around the world, there are a lot of people who have had injustices done to them in the name of Jesus. They've had people call it truth, but it wasn't. And there's hurt. And so one of the best ways to combat that hurt is to actually do for them what you wish someone would do for you. One of the best ways to do that is actually going to be found through this value. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 says this. And I love this. Uh, obviously, Romans is a powerful book. If, um, if you're kind of newer in your faith and you're looking for a book to read, Romans is a great book to really help to understand the Christian walk and the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Rome, and he said this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And here we see something that's so important. This is a consistent theme. It's not just Jesus who says, do for others what you wish they would do for you. It's consistent. We're even going to read another passage out of Leviticus that mirrors this. But honor one another above yourselves. You're going to put a great, if you want to be a Christian, you have to place a greater value on everyone else in your life than you do on yourself. And, and it's just a reality. You can't argue this fact, just so you know. 
And if you're like, no, 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 I'm the most important person in my life, uh, you might not like Christianity very much. I'm just telling you. If you want it to be all about you, you might not like Christianity very much. But when you start to find the joy of serving, when you start to find the joy of supporting and coming under and uplifting and encouraging and building up other people, something's going to come alive in you as you actually honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal and passion, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Now, hospitality in antiquity usually referred to not just hosting anyone, but actually hosting strangers, hosting those that were foreigners, hosting those who had different views than you, or maybe you might not be as comfortable with. And, and it was usually meant a stranger. And, and over and over again, hospitality is actually a theme. Jesus tells many stories that talk about hosting people in your homes. He, he describes situations of hospitality. But really, as I studied all the different moments getting ready for this message, I noticed two things that biblical hospitality continually carries. And it's both action and affection. For it to be a biblical model of hospitality, it has to engage both the heart and the hand. It's both. So, so it's the acts of service, but it's also connecting with the human through affection and love and actually loving them. And how many of you know if you've been maybe in a dating relationship or you've been married or you've had a significant other in your life, if you're really, really, if all you're ever good at is the acts of service, it's not really a full-fledged relationship, right? And acts of service can be a great way to show love. It can be super great, like yesterday, Renee wanted to set the mood. She'd been working really hard at Artisan Women all week, and she wanted a reward, and her reward was to turn on Christmas music, set the vibes, and start doing some Christmas decorating. And if you're like, seriously, it's November, it is not too early in the Grosso household. And if you need pastoral permission to start Christmas, go for it. Do it. Come on, get all the vibes going in your house. Set the mood. Christmas is amazing. We want to milk it. We milk every season in the Grosso household. And, uh, and we are all about the cozy and Christmas. How many of you know Christmas is cozy? That's the problem with Halloween. It's not cozy. Christmas is cozy, right? And so, so she set in the mood and she wanted to set up uh, a Christmas tree in the basement. Our main tree, we wait. We actually wait on that. We go do this whole tradition. We go to Hanson Tree Farm and we cut down a real tree every single year. We go cut it down. It's a whole experience and uh, we'll bring that home. But in the basement, there's just a fake tree that we set up and and she went to set up the fake tree, and one of the three legs of the stand was missing. And, uh, and right, and she's, she's been building up to this moment. She's been excited. She's digging everywhere. She's looking for the stuff. And, and I go down there, and she had been trying everything to, like, recreate this third leg, right? She'd been, like, stuffing cardboard up in there. She'd been propping these little the, the pieces of metal up there. we doing all this stuff. She was asking, where's the cement? We can just pour cement. Or I'm like, we're not, we're not pouring cement for this little fake Christmas tree. And, uh, and so I actually found uh, one of the pieces she was trying to prop it with was actually a piece of angle iron. And I was like, watch, here, hold it. And, and I went and I screwed in this piece of angle iron as a third leg. And then she put a tree skirt and the tree stood perfectly strong as ever. And the way she looked at me, I was like, 
oh, that was your love language today. I mean, I was like, okay, all right. So this, this is what you needed, right? This was showing you affection in a great way. This acts of service was exactly right in our relationship. But how many of you know if I turn off any other form of affection and all I ever do is do the dishes when I'm told, do, the di- you know, do different projects around the house, take out the trash, do little things, eventually that relationship's gonna wear thin. It has to be both the hands. We have to serve one another in love, but we also have to connect with each other. We have to actually affectionately care about each other. And I really believe sometimes, right, especially men can have trouble at times getting that affectionate side. And, and, and there's just different personality types even. That's just that affection piece doesn't connect with you as much. But you have to do both. we got to connect both the hand and we've got to connect the heart as it comes to hospitality. And the, let's start with a little bit of the hospitality in action. The hospitality in action. Again, Paul wrote, honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal. How do we find ways to honor each other practically? How do we speak value practically with our hands? And um, in Luke chapter 14, verse 12 through 14, now Jesus is going to add into the conversation. And um, again, this is, uh, if you read, a great project would be to continue reading Luke chapter 14 after verse 14, because he's going to continue with this amazing parable of a feast. And you're going to want to see it. And it's a picture of how God sees people. God is the greatest host you could ever experience. And he's setting a table for us. And he's trying to invite us into it. And it's this picture of some people who didn't have time, some people who didn't care. And so God kept saying, hey, go go and find the people. Go to the highways and the byways. Anybody that will come, the doors are open. Come and eat with me. And so this part of the story is building up to that parable, but I want to read it very clearly. Then Jesus said to his host, he was being hosted at this moment, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. And again, don't don't read this wrong. This is not Jesus saying never host them. He's making a point. He's speaking about the emphasis of our, what our target in our hospitality should be. And he says, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, consider inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You will be repaid. And here Jesus is painting a very clear picture of the heart of hospitality. He's speaking to the motivation of humans. Because, right, he's speaking to uh, hearers that really cared about class in society. What class am I a part of? And, and typically you would only eat and dine with those who were of a similar class to you, similar social standing. Sometimes people would invite one class down because they knew if I invite people from one class down, I'm more likely to be honored publicly because they're going to be so happy to have gotten a chance to eat with me. And so they're going to show up, and they're just going to be drooling at my feet. It's almost like how a lot of people act when they see a celebrity. and like, oh, my gosh, they're gonna, you're going to get a lot of honor, a lot of attention. And so Jesus is making it very clear. True biblical hospitality comes from a heart of saying, I'm going to do this with no desire to get anything in return. I am going to do this out of love for you. This action of hosting you, of loving you, of caring for you is going to come from a place of healthy motivation to love you and to speak value to you. That's what's going to happen. The quality 
of the action, the quality of the hospitality can be tested often by the quality of the motivation. True hospitality in action does not carry ulterior motives, church. And we love, right? We love the concept of do for others as you would have them do for you. We call it the golden rule. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It's in fact, people love to quote it so much that even people, there's, I've ran into so many people who have no idea it's in the Bible. They say it, and they're like, yeah, the golden rule. Did you know it's scripture? Like, it started in the Bible, guys. But people have adopted it because it sounds so nice, and yet we're so bad at it. Like, we're so bad at this. Doing for them what we wish they would do for us before they do anything for us. A lot of us are really good at reciprocating love. A lot of us are really good at, 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 at reciprocating good hospitality or reciprocating conversation. But being the one who's the initiator, that's a whole other conversation. Well, I just don't know. They walked by me in the church lobby. I can't believe it. I don't know why they didn't talk to me. Could you have stopped them? Probably. But you didn't. Oh, I... You know, they still have invited me over for dinner. I keep hinting at it. I keep letting them know. I keep suggesting. I just, I just want to be invited over for dinner. Why won't they invite me over to dinner? I just don't get it. They, when am I going to get to, right? We're so good at noticing what isn't done to us, and yet we're so often terrible at initiating doing it for somebody else. And so Jesus is actually saying, hey, really simply, you want to know what this is talking about? If you want it, they probably do too. If you want it, if you would feel good, if they did it for you, why don't you do it for them? But the problem is, just like the, the, the hearers out of this book or chapter in Luke, just like those hearers, there is a bit of societal pressures. Because sometimes we're like, well, I feel like they're a, they're, they're a little bit ahead of me, so I'm waiting for them to initiate it. What Jesus is trying to say is stop living according to those pressures. You can initiate it. You can start it. You can engage with them. You can do for them what you wish they would do for you. You don't need to wait for permission because permission's not coming, church. No one's going to give you permission to start loving and hosting and caring for them really, really well. And we've all had moments, right, where somebody does to us what we desperately wish they would not, right? Have you ever had somebody do the opposite of what you want? Like the exact opposite. I was driving recently. I had to trade in my truck. I'm no longer a real man anymore. I traded in my truck. I'm like, you noticed the difference, didn't you? I know you could tell. We just walk different. We own trucks. You know what I mean? Like something about it. Like, and uh, couldn't afford the gas because we have a long commute. And we drop our kids off at a school in Forest Lake and then all the way back to Blaine. And, I mean, it was just insane. The I was getting 12 miles per gallon on average in my truck. It was killing me. So I traded my truck, massive downgrade to a car. But I'm driving the car. And, um, and, and I'm driving along. Just got it like uh, two weeks ago. And driving to go pick up the jerseys for my daughter's basketball team. I got to go pick up these jerseys. It's 9 p.m. They finally came in. I got to go to this guy's house, and I'm driving through a neighborhood in Andover, and I hear this sort of pop, and I'm like, what was that? Like, what, what happened? And, and there's kind of like some, some moisture on the windshield, and I'm like, what is that? What juice is that? Like, what juiced on me? Like, and I'm like, you know, I'm like wiping, doing my windshield wipers, and it's kind of smearing. And I'm like, well, actually, what is this, you know? And I'm close enough that I'm like, I'm not going to pull over. I'll go figure it out when I get to his house. And so I get to his house, and I get out of my car, and as I'm walking along in the dark, I see there's just this goop 
on my hood, and I'm like, what is this? And I get closer, and all of a sudden I see that there's actual smoke coming out of my headlight. Like smoke is building on my headlight, and I look closer, and I see that there's a massive hole in my headlight. And I look a little bit closer, and then I start to notice that there's eggshells everywhere. And then I really look closer, and there is egg cooked like an omelet inside my headlight. Inside the lamp, there is literally cooked egg smoking. And, you know, you stop and eat it a little bit, and, you know, pretty good. Uh, it's cooked egg, and then the egg smeared all over some punk kid in a ditch. Goes, I'm going to throw this egg at this guy's car, you know? And, uh, and I like, I mean, I saw red. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, like there's an egg in my headlamp, and my headlamp's cracked, and the paint was chipped. And I'm like, no! And immediately, how many of you know, you go searching for those kids. You're like, I'm going to find those punk kids. I'm going to let them know. Their parents are paying for this. And I'm starting off raged, and all of a sudden, I literally started feeling God. And he's like, oh, you're pretty mad, huh? Do, do, do you not remember? Remember what, God? Do you not remember when you were 16 and you worked at Panera Bread with your friends? And you took the baguettes and the sourdough rolls up on the roof? And you guys played baseball? And you hit the sourdough rolls at, at, at Cedar Avenue when you were smacking cars with dried out sourdough? You don't remember that? And I was like, you're right, God. <laughs> I need to calm myself a little bit. I, I, hey, if you don't believe in reaping and sowing, I do now. So, you know what I mean? Like, but there's this reality. It's just the worst when someone, it's like, all you did was damage, right? You devalued my car and for nothing. You lowered its value. Vandalism is like the opposite of Christianity. Christians, do you not know, we're called to bring order and healing, not careless chaos and destruction. We, we are actually called to bring order. We're called to improve. We're called to make things better. And we are called to host people so well, to do for them what they wish they would do for us. But we live in this world of careless actions. It's almost like it's, a, it's not just a scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It's like scratch my back and maybe I'll consider. Maybe I might return the favor. Like, do something for me, and then we'll see if I'm in the mood to do something for you. Like, and if it strikes me and I feel like it, then I'll do it. But really, you should just feel blessed to get to even do something for me. So I wonder, church, what if, what if hospitality is actually connected to our ability to evangelize the American world? What, what if this is a part? Like, it, like, like, I don't know that we can really value outreach without understanding biblical hospitality. To say that we value the people who aren't here yet, to say that we value who's coming next and, and, and wanting to reach people and, 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 and see them encounter the, the amazing presence of Jesus, I don't know that outreach can be a value when we don't grasp hospitality according to Scripture. This, I'm actually going to lay down my desires and I'm going to put your needs before mine. I'm going to serve you. In the kingdom of God, it is more blessed to serve than to be served. It's more blessed to come under than to lord over. See, the tension that we have to live with, though, is that biblical hospitality is not about showing off. It's about speaking value. See, sometimes people are like, oh, that's a little over the top. I don't believe in that whole hospitality stuff. You, you know, you just get what you get with me, and that's just it, and, and, and that's all, and I don't, I don't want to need to show off. What, what I've found is that when I've been in spaces where I've been hosted really well, it speaks to the value of who I am as a human. 
When somebody really takes care, anticipates my needs, cares for me, loves me, listens to me, appreciates who I am, it speaks of value. And, and with a name like artisan, as a church, saying that we believe God is an artisan, and that he handcrafted each and every one of us. Artisan just means handmade, and you were handmade. And that he actually placed the same value in every human being. This is something we believe so strongly, that your value is not determined by, by the, the things that you do or don't do. Your value is not determined by how you look. Your value was determined by God. And that there is value in who you are. And one of the ways that we can speak that value is how we prepare for other people. You see, how many of you know if, if you were going to host the president this week? Well, I mean, maybe this isn't a good week to talk about. Let's use, let's use a different person. If you were going to host, pick, pick, let's not go there. Pick your favorite celebrity. Pick your favorite celebrity, right? And somebody you, or you looked up to or your dream mentor, the person you wish you could meet. If you were going to host them, if you were going to host them, what would you do? How would you prepare? How much time would you spend cleaning your house? How much time would you spend getting the recipe just right? How much time would you spend doing all the little projects that have been waiting for a really long time and you're finally going to get to them and use them as a motivation? Why? Because you see them as a person of value. And all Jesus is saying is that same level of effort that you're putting into somebody that you've deemed valuable, he's saying, I've deemed everyone to have that same intrinsic value. So I want you to prepare, and I want you to plan, and I want you to work like every person you encounter has that value. And as a church, why are people here early? The doors are open. The first volunteers get here on 6 or 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Why? Why are we here early cleaning? Why are we blowing the leaves off the parking lot? Why are we caring about every detail? Why am I taking a lint rag and wiping down a wall this morning? Why do we care? Why does that matter? It's because it actually speaks to the value. We're saying, hey, you matter. So we got here early and we worked hard and there's hot coffee and it's good coffee and, it's, and we're ready for you and we want to serve you and we want to love you. We want to speak value to who you are because you matter. Every single person matters. So what is the value we are speaking to them? Oh, well, Pastor Sam, you know, like, I don't really have the budget to, like, host people like that, or, or I don't really care about that kind of stuff. Believe it or not, the, 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 one of the best hosting experiences I've ever had where I got to receive great hosting. I actually was going on a missions trip to Peru, and I thought we were going there to serve. I was like, we're going to go serve. And, and there was a church in this little tiny jungle village um, and it was, first we flew into Lima, and then we flew to a tiny village called Quitos, and then from there we took a, a, a boat ride, eight hours on boat, a motorized boat, eight hours down the Amazon River to go to this village and help them build a church for this congregation. And here we think, right, we're going to show them hospitality. We're going to serve them. And we get there, and this village that has no money, all they have is the natural resources that they can make and create right there, they had cleaned the whole village it was spotless. I saw women sweeping the packed dirt on the floors of their, their huts. They were preparing. Every little detail had been thought of. They, 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 they killed the, the, the best ducks that they had for us for dinner that night. They brought out the best. I experienced radical hospitality. And I go, man, we got to really serve these people. <laughs> I mean, these people are incredible. Had nothing to do with income level. Had nothing to do with resources. It had everything to do with they valued us as guests. And we came in and I just felt like I mattered. Mattered. And I felt like I was important to them. And I literally had this revelation. I go, I'm being hosted better 
in this jungle village in Peru than I have in some of the wealthiest homes in Minnesota. Like, this is unbelievable. I matter here. It's not about money. It's not about money. It's, it's about the heart of speaking value to the people that you're coming into contact with. You know, um, Leviticus chapter 19, let's go to the Old Testament. Verse 34, Leviticus chapter 19. This was a, a list of a bunch of laws in the Old Testament. And it said this, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Leave that up there. Leave that up there. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? And you shall love him as yourself. We've now seen that same theme in almost every passage we've read today. Even in the Old Testament law, that's why Jesus, he didn't come to abolish, he came to fulfill. And he's like, hey, hey, uh, this, is, this is vital. This is so important. Are you going to treat, treat the, the sojourner? Are you going to treat the traveler? Are you going to treat the person who's not native to your land, who is not comfortable in your space? Are you going to treat him and love him as yourself? Don't forget that you were strangers. One of the best experiences you can have is to actually go live in a place that's not your home. Right? Because you're like looking for anyone that will host you, anyone that will welcome you in, anyone that will do life with you, anyone that will value you. You're just desperate. Would you just, would you let us in? Would you welcome us? When Renee and I moved to Tulsa, one of our first weekends, we got invited by the, the senior pastor, his mom, was having her whole family over. And she said, you're coming over for lunch. And we got to be a part of their family lunch. And they hosted us so well because we just felt like we were a part of the family immediately. And it made it so much easier to be away from Minnesota during that season, knowing, hey, we got family here. We're being hosted well. We're supposed to treat the stranger as native. And here's the reality. Again, the Bible talks about your neighbor so often. And who does Jesus describe as a neighbor? Well, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, such a famous story where the least likely character is the one that loves and tends to the wounds and, and, and amends that and actually is the neighbor. He's the one who spoke that value. And I wonder, church, how many people is God putting in our path that he's saying, I want you to show hospitality to them. I want you to invite them in. I want you to make them feel like family. They may not know my name yet. They may not understand your culture yet. They may not agree with everything that you have to say, but, but, but I invite them in. Let them in. Open your arms and treat them and love them as yourself. Loving them as ourself is a biblical mandate. Again, you, it's really hard to be a Christian and to mistreat people and back it up with Scripture. I mean, people have done it, but not with good theology. <laughs> you can twist, you can manipulate things. But over and over and over again, the mandate is, will you love other people above yourself? Will you love them? Will you do for them what you wish they would do for you? Will you get this spirit of hospitality inside of you? You can go to a city. How many of you know a little bit of time in the city, you can really understand the culture? Are they welcoming or are they not? When I went to Norway, I got to be in this, uh, this, this just house party. And, and I learned so much about their culture. And they kept putting out all this food and nobody was eating it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm an American. <laughs> I like to eat and I like to eat fast. I don't want to go hard at it. I want to attack the food. I'm going to beat the food. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get how much can I consume, right? And they're like, no, 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 slow down, slow down. So we're not eating yet. I'm like, what do you mean we're not eating yet? It's 7 p.m. It's 7 o'clock. And, um, and they put the chocolates out before the dinner. I'm like, are we eating chocolate? They're like, no, it's just there. I'm like, it's tempting me. Like, can I just, one little chocolate, please? <laughs> But over time, I started to realize their culture, they're like, hey, we're going to be here all night. We're not, a, are you in a rush? 
Where are you trying to get to? Why are you trying to speak? We're trying to spend time together. We're trying to enjoy each other's company. And all of a sudden, I started to de-Americanize my mentality of a house party. And I just started to slow down and enjoy their culture and enjoy being hosted and enjoy the, the phases of the meal and the phases and the courses that we were eating and enjoy the process. I had a very different experience when I went to France. <laughs> very different experience. We were there with a team, and, and, and the experience I had there was the, the, the taxi cabs lied to us and milked us for a ton of money. The, the hotels were rude and didn't want us there and were, were, were angry. And, uh, and Renee was pregnant, and they wouldn't help me get her any food or take care. I mean, I had a totally different experience. And right, so in my head, when I think of Norway, I'm like, oh, I love Norway. And I think of France, I'm like, oh. You know, why? Because that was my experience. You may have had a completely different experience in France, but how many of you know how you were hosted somewhere really affects your view of it? And people are coming every single weekend to our church. What is the message we're telling them? What are we, what are we teaching them about our heart for them and the way in which we're hosting? Even as I go to churches and I travel and speak at a church, the way in which I'm welcomed, greeted, and hosted even before the service tells me everything I need to know about what I'm up against, just so you know. Every single time. When they host me well and they take care of me and, and they're asking what I need and trying to make it easier on me because I'm traveling and I'm leaving the crazy of life and pastoring to come in and try to bring a word when I'm taken care of, every single time I get there in the congregation, they're hungry and they're ready and they're excited. Whenever there's this, this sort of uh, anti-hospitality, sort of this, well, it's your honor that you get to preach to us. This happens and you watch the congregation have that attitude, just uh, what are you going to do? Impress us. We brought you in. You better impress us. Rather than, wow, we're so expectant. What's God going to do? We're just here. We're loving. We're serving. We have this attitude. Your culture is so often shown through the way in which you host, the way in which you uh, treat the outsider, the visitor, the one who's not a part of your group. How we host matters, church. And we'll end with this as the keys come on up. One of the tensions, though, of hospitality is that it requires sacrifice. And sacrifice just doesn't always sound good. Some days you're sitting there and you're like, no, no, I'm done inviting people. I want someone to invite me. I'm waiting. Why isn't someone inviting me over? I've all had those feelings. No, I'm done being the one that initiates conversation. They need to initiate conversation with me now. It can get hard. Why aren't they doing this for me? And yet Jesus, time and time again, he's like, hey, 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 I want you to do for them what you wish they would do for you. Love them. Care for them. Be radical in your generosity to them. Welcome them with open sacrifice for them. Show them the value that they carry. Remind them of who I am through your actions. Be radical in your love, in both your action and your affection. We gotta place the comfort of those we interact with above ourselves and placing their preferences before ours. If you throw a birthday party for someone, are you trying to just do it according to all of your preferences? Or are you trying to learn what are their favorite things? What do they like? It's natural. What, is, what, what, what speaks their love language? How can I, how do we do this? How are we going to craft their birthday around them? You don't go, well, these are all my favorite things, so they better like it. No, you're going to go, hi, what do they like? What do they like? What do they like? What can I do to love them intentionally? 
And so as a church, if we value outreach, then our hospitality needs to be engaged in such a way that we're going, hey, what, what are their needs? What are their desires? What's keeping them from coming and being a part of this church? And how can I, how, how can I help that? What, what, what hurts have been done to them? And how can I bring healing to this? Biblical hospitality church can bring healing to people. There's something so healing about being loved. There's something so healing about having your needs put before the needs of another. There's something so healing about that. And I believe that one of the best things we can do, even if you're in a place, I'm like, well, Pastor, I just need what you're talking about. For me, I've often found that sometimes God is, again, when I do my part, God does his part. So sometimes I just got to get moving, and I'm like, man, I could really use an encouragement. So you know what? I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to encourage somebody. It's what typically happens. Let's be honest. You encourage them. What are they going to try to do? They're going to try to encourage you back. Edifying almost always leads to edifying. There's a building up that takes place as we go around trying to meet each other's needs. If we all looked at every single Sunday morning, every single table, every single social, every single thing we do as a community and go, man, how can I be the one? I'm going to look for opportunities to listen, not to talk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna be. I want to be the one. I want to serve. I'm gonna try to outserve everybody that comes. I want to. I want to love them. I want to take care of them. There's no greater love than to lay my life down. So I'm gonna lay my preferences down. I'm gonna lay those things down. I'm gonna figure out ways that I can love people. I'm gonna figure out ways that I can be like Jesus. We have to find joy in the art of hospitality. In the service of other humans. Because again, hospitality, it's not about showing off. It's about speaking value. When there's a community around us that doesn't feel valued, that doesn't feel loved, we gotta find a way to love them, host them, appreciate them, value them. I just, I just get this image of where our church is heading and what it would look like if somebody, every visitor walked into our church, everybody they're interacting with is just looking them in the eyes and how are you? How are you doing? Can I help in any way? Do you know your way around? What can I do? Did you know in my years of pastoring, I think people always assume that others would not stay at a church because of the preaching or the music, but when I connect with people, it's almost always because of a negative interaction with a person in the church. People actually, I could preach terribly, but if people are loved well, they're going to come to this church, just so you know. We, we put so much emphasis when we think of church, we so often we think of the platform. Church is a people. So, so this one, this value more than any other, cannot just be embodied by the staff. It cannot just be embodied by Renee and I. Every single one of us that wants to call artists in home needs to go, man, how do I get hospitality? How do I grow this gift? How do I grow this ability? How do I value this in my interactions so that nobody can come into our church and not feel loved and not feel cared for and not feel like they matter? People matter to Jesus. Do you believe that they matter to Jesus? Then they need to matter equally to you.
We need to see his heart. One of the most powerful prayers you could pray before coming to church is, Jesus, let me see people today the way you do. Let me see them through your eyes. Help me to see them the way you do. Please, I want your heart for them because Jesus' heart for each and every one of you. He has a deep place of love, care, value. He's not wagging a figure of shame at you, and neither are the people of this church. It has to be a welcoming environment, a place where people can belong, feel important. This value matters to the future of our church. I really believe it's a piece, just one little piece, to begin answering this problem. I mean, how do we help those who have been hurt? And let's just love them the way we wish someone would love us and see what happens. Well, I don't know how to reach them. Do for them what you wish they would do for you. Easy. Gives you the answer. Every time you're stumped, well, I just don't know what to do. Okay, what would you like it if your neighbors did? Well, I think it'd be kind of cool if they like brought me a plate of fresh, hot chocolate chip cookies. That'd be kind of nice. Okay, bake some cookies then and go bring them to your neighbor and go drop them off. Well, it'd be kind of cool like if they invited me over for a neighborhood barbecue. Do a neighborhood barbecue. Do it. Oh, I really wish someone would talk to me in the lobby. Go talk to someone in the lobby. Every time you're thinking about how you wish someone would do something for you, you go do that for somebody else. Imagine that person who every time they had a desire come up of what they wish someone would do for them, they just went and did it. Imagine that person. Jesus is calling us to be that person. But you have to sacrifice. You have to die to self. And say, I'm going to value them. And I'm going to believe that as I do that, Jesus is going to bring me what I need. What you're saying is, I trust Jesus as the source of my life. So I can host, I can be generous. I can give and give and give knowing that I'm going to receive from Jesus. Knowing that he's going to become my source in the midst of that. So church, you can stand all across this place. And the prayer teams can come forward. There's just so much I only got to even just part. This sermon is just something that I believe is going to continue to just be a deep, deep value of our church. There's so much more I could say. It's hard to fit it all into about 40 minutes. But hopefully this week we can immediately start applying it by every single time we want something done to us, we go and do it for somebody else. Man, I could just really use a hug. Go hug someone. Man, I could just really use some encouragement. Go encourage somebody. What a great response. But can I tell you, church, how many of you know we can't sustain that without Jesus? So let's pray to him right now. Let's invite him to lead us this week and to guide us. Jesus, we thank you that you set an example for us. You set a very clear picture of what it looks like to do for others first. You came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom to many. So we give our life as a ransom to many. We, we, we follow and we say, Jesus, use us this week. Show us ways that we can host. Show us ways that we can love. The way we can put into action biblical hospitality, but also the way in which we can show affection according to biblical hospitality. Speak to us this week. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...